Welcome to Say It Out Loud, another weekly dose of your mental liberation in the thriving melanated community. I'm Anthony Kelly. And what's up, kings and queens? I am CK McGee, and we're your hosts. Thank you so much for joining us for episode five of Say It Out Loud. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing well, you know, out here in Taiwan, things are pretty calm and uh, still kind of having our, you know, day-to-day practice, you know, kind of practicing, not necessarily really even social distancing, <laughs> but really just being mindful. Um, I'm kind of a homebody, but um, the Taiwan uh, circumstances had a, you know, slight spike in cases that was kind of due to uh, foreigners, or not necessarily foreigners, but Taiwanese that were abroad already and that came back home that took our numbers to about, uh, I think it was about 63 to about 108. And so uh, Taiwan tested actually two students in their school system um, that really forced them to lock all the schools down. So um, they're waiting another probably two weeks just to see kind of how that kind of is spread across and um, has notified um, the school district and folks that are in the main schools. And then for me, my basketball, because I work primarily with those particular students, we got shut down for about two weeks, um, but my partner in crime, she uh, <clears throat> she works for a cram school teaching English, and she hasn't been impacted yet, but um, even though we had to kind of, uh, these next two weeks are not, you know, too crazy, is this we're kind of waiting to see um, how Taiwan's going to be managing it, but that's really kind of been it, but overall, I'm still wearing the masks, um, and ironically, uh, the Taiwan government has actually been encouraging us to to panic buy <laughs> because they were saying that it's going to actually support the Taiwan uh, economy with the fruits and the vegetables and stuff because we have a lot of local farmers here. So, um, other than that, yeah, 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 that was it was I was funny <laughs> kind of like actually getting the same language, but it's actually a good thing here. So, um, yeah, so we've just been you know buying our fruit and vegetables, kind of stocking up just in case you know something happens, but uh, overall the kind of experience with the general population has been very good, you know. So, yeah, we're kind of maintaining. How you been? Well, let me just ask you before I, I can, before I answer the question, when you talk about uh, those who were traveling abroad and they came back into the country, were they required to, like, self-quarantine? How did they handle that? Uh, yeah, well, what happens is that Taiwan just has now a strict uh, evaluation process, and all the ones that came back from abroad tested positive um, for the coronavirus. And so they uh, actually shut all foreigners um, from coming into the country off unless you have uh, an ARC, which is citizenship or any special type of relationship with the Taiwan. With Taiwan. And so all it's ba- the reason why it's kind of like now pushed to, to higher alert is because every single one... Taiwanese that has come from traveling abroad has come back positive with the coronavirus. So that's why okay. it's been this latest shift. And then also some of those folks were, were students that were in the in the education system. So that's been the reason for the move so far. Mm-hmm. And so how how is that handled now that they've tested positive? Then what happens as uh, a so, Like how do they take care of them? Yeah, so they put them in. They have these um, isolated uh, isolation hotels, and they give them a, they give them a cell phone, and they uh, monitor where they're at, and they uh, provide them an, a th- uh, well, it's a thousand NT, so it's like twenty eight bucks in American dollars. They provide them with a small stipend, which is you know plenty for a day to day. So they give them a thousand NT every day to cover their their food and stuff like that. Um, and then after the 
14-day incubation period, they uh, if they are coming out low with symptoms or if they're okay, and they release them back. Um, but if not, they provide them with the medical support services that they need accordingly. So they create now, a pretty extensive vetting system. Oh, okay. So now when you're talking about the incubation period, though, is that... Isn't that the period, though, before the symptoms start to show? By now, you said they tested positive. So are they, like, being treated medically at this point, or they're just quarantined? And how are they treated as far as any medicine or anything like that is concerned? Yeah, they have. Uh, I'm not sure about the medicines, but they are treated. I'm not sure exactly what they're treating them with. But for those that do come back positive, they do provide them medical support and whatnot. And so... Um, okay. I'm not, I'm not sure where, where, what happens to those that, that are tested positive. I just know that those that are tested positive, they provided support and services. And then also, uh, for those that haven't, or that might be at risk, they have a, um, a screening system and actually hotels that are dedicated for those, for those folks that have been, um, positive or being quarantined for a certain amount of time. And what they're doing is making sure that they're not, uh, spreading it with the general population. Um, and so, yeah, that's what they're doing so far. So now you did mention that you're, uh, in our conversation, I think this past week, you mentioned that the basketball camps were suspended for a couple of weeks. And you said that your wife, Kim had not been impacted as of yet. Um, are there any other like closures of any kind there? The big ones has just been, um, schools so far. Um, schools, and then also, we also have a close friend of ours that is a scientist here, and she has just, they just had a positive case in her her college university office, and so um, since that has happened, <clears throat> they've uh, put in other protocols to try to help the other student populations, so it's mainly like the schools and kind of education institutions that have been um, mainly impacted, um, mm -hmm. but on the other side, um, like I told you before, they're really trying to encourage folks to kind of build Taiwan's economy with, uh, with, uh, the, the panic buy. It's actually not a bad thing. And it's funny because one of the big things about Taiwan, like if things get bad, you know, and we have to like kind of start doing what other countries are doing, like in the United States, it's actually not going to be that bad because one of the big things about Taiwan, they've done a great job with one making sure people have access to water and power because a lot of their power is based off of wind and, and uh, the ocean uh, mechanisms to make to make generating power and stuff like that. So Taiwan has a lot of things in place, but the main thing that's impacted Taiwan's overall vetting system has been outside forces versus internally. Internally, they're just doing a really good job um, every day having updates every day providing who's been infected not necessarily names but how many have been infected where they're infected what's doing on keeping everybody really open and transparent about everything so there's not a sense of panic here at all you know what i mean we don't get that at all in the stores or anywhere really it's still very you know like what taiwan is just very cool and and i guess you know again the, the people overall it's, it's just a great experience with the taiwanese here and uh and the government, like I said, you really get a sense that the government really cares about the overall experience of those, especially foreigners like myself that has the ARC and my wife, and then also just the general population. Mm. And what I'm interested to know, too, is when they're referring to any of the cases there in Taiwan, uh, is it 
distinguished from China, or do they group it all together? Um, in terms of, uh, um, explain a little bit more. What do you mean? When when we're when you're referring to cases, you're you're speaking specifically of Taiwan, but not like China. Yes, exactly. So okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because again, Taiwan is really um, working on their independence and separating themselves from China. So this is all specifically due to China, uh, Taiwan in in the island specifically. So um, they do monitor what's going on with 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 um, China, um, but they kind of take China's information with a grain of thought, a grain of salt because they understand their kind of authoritarian you know regime really hasn't done a good job being totally transparent. But they're just making sure they take responsibility for their side. So you know, <clears throat> again, any other country, just like everybody else, has kind of closed their borders, closely monitored. Uh, anybody that comes in from traveling, um, limited their uh, interaction with other countries that have been impacted. Um, but specifically, they've been just focusing on Taiwan and and their community directly. Okay. Now, and that's something that I, I wanted to ask. Knowing that everyone that returned tested positive, did they actually, in other words, is the site where they are, you mentioned a hotel, is that like off-site somewhere, so to speak, so that it, it's not, you know, they, they're not interacting with the general population? I'm actually not sure where the hotel is located. I just know that they have those quarantines. And not, and not every single body that came back. It was just, uh, we just had a recent spike, and that was due to the people that came back. So I don't think I, I don't think every single person that came back from overseas was positive, but the the spike that we've had, as we understand it, wasn't necessarily from just new cases in Taiwan. It was from those that came from abroad. Okay, okay. Yeah. And were these Taiwanese citizens, or were they foreigners like yourself living in Taiwan? Uh, I think it was a mixture of both, because um, you okay. have folks that go on vacation. And then also, too, you have a lot of kind of the culture here, too, with Taiwan. Um, you have a lot of folks that do... Um, uh, travel visas. So, you know, you have, when you come to Taiwan, you get an automatic 90 days. And some people have just made a living of just doing a visa run. So instead of having to get an ARC to be here for a year, um, they'll just, every three months, they'll go travel to the neighboring, you know, Asian country and then get another 90 days. And Taiwan basically locked that down where if you don't have the appropriate paperwork, um, they don't allow no more visa runs because of the risk right now. Um, and they have, you know, other folks that, like from the Philippines, they have a large Filipino fan, uh, community here that helps with um, the elderly and whatnot. And so they're granting them that don't actually have um, the appropriate paperwork or here maybe technically illegally, granting them amnesty because they're here working with the elderly and they actually have a job and stuff like that. So they've been making some adjustments, but they've been making their decisions accordingly and, and, and quite fairly, I think. Oh, okay. Cool. Very cool. So how's it over there? How about the NYC? What's going on over there? Well, you know, um, there have been, of course, a lot of big decisions, uh, you know, since the last time we talked, uh, both you and I, and also to our uh, community. But um, one of them is that the New York City public school system, which is the largest in the country, uh, has been closed. And uh, it has been stated by Mayor de Blasio that the earliest possible date to reopen the school system uh, may be April 20th. However, once they are able to assess the situation, um, it's possible, depending on what they find, that he may decide to keep that school district closed for the remainder of the school year. Mm -hmm. And so automatically, 
uh, like clockwork, they put remote teaching into place and it has been implemented. And so teachers are teaching, students um, are set up at home. They um, assured that everybody had what they needed in order to have their classes done virally, you know, so um, that is working out. Um, also in the state of New York, uh, we also have a mandatory stay at home executive order, except mm. of course for essential workers that are within the healthcare, you know, um, system, uh, grocery, um, bank, pharmacy, gas station. And they did say that there would be oversight to ensure that the order is being followed. And so, um, that actually, uh, went into effect yesterday, which would be, Sunday, March 22nd. Yeah, March 22nd. By the time the show airs, it'll be the day before. So that is that with, with New York, but also um, California and Illinois are locked down as well. And so all of the governors of uh, California, you have uh, Gavin Newsom in California, Andrew Cuomo in New York, and uh, J.B. Pritzker in Illinois. These are uh, the hotter the the hot spots are the hardest hit. Of course, New York is the is the uh, has the highest cases of all in um, the United States. And um, another change that occurred, which was really kind of like surprising, I think, to people, was that Italy has now become the epicenter for the coronavirus, surpassing China. Yeah, Iran too. Again, real a lot of issues happening there too. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, and uh, so over here. Uh, they've also closed the northern and southern borders, uh, and it's all to, of course, close to all non-essential travel, uh, you know, uh, given the fact that 45 has had issues as far as the southern border, he, of course, had to uh, make a statement saying that both would be treated equally in terms of expectations once the border is closed. Then we have the U.S. Comfort, which has a home port of uh, Norfolk, Virginia, they will be, excuse me, deployed to New York City, sitting in um, the harbor. And this is a hospital ship. And it's not, it's, it's not the first time it's been to New York. It actually was here with us uh, after 9-11. And so that will be coming back. As well as the U.S. Mercy, which is going to be deployed, it seems to like the Seattle area. Uh, their home point is in San Diego. Uh, both of these hospital ships have a 1,000-bed capacity. And uh, they're actually coming to treat illnesses outside of the coronavirus. So what they're coming to do is free up beds so that new coronavirus patients or COVID-19 patients can then be treated in, in the hospitals. And I was reading about these um, shifts, Anthony, and particularly like uh, the U.S. Mercy. This has 11 general purpose operating suites, a 5,000 unit blood bank, 15 patient wards, and room for 80 intensive care beds. And it can produce 7,000 meals and 200,000 gallons of fresh water daily. Mm. So they're going to sit in the harbors and help out. So that, I thought, was pretty cool Yeah. to um, have those, uh, you know, coming to help us out like that, you know? Military don't mess around. No, they don't mess around, and I can almost, like, you can almost feel like Superman is coming or something, I'm sure, um, especially as it pertains to freeing up beds, because that's really been a huge conversation here, being able to flatten the curve and get ahead of things in that regard. And so that's when you started seeing, in, like, previous podcasts, I may have mentioned that, like, elective surgeries and things like that were, uh, you know, suspended for now uh, so that they could, you know, free up that space. So that's what they're doing. 
Um, and speaking of social distancing, since you mentioned it, <clears throat> we're finding that a lot of the youth, of course, you know, Anthony, you remember when you were young, we all had that invincible, you know, spirit, nothing can happen to us and, and everything. And I'm sure with you being an, um, an A1 division, you know, football player, you probably had that even more so. <laughs> Man, I think I still suffer from it now, still. <laughs> Well, you know, it's almost like a parent, Anthony, you know, um, your parent might say to you, hey, don't touch that socket. I don't, mommy doesn't want you over there or don't go outside. You know, it's raining outside, you know, those little gentle sort of like reminders or requests. And that child, they, they're invincible. Nothing is going to happen to them and they want to do whatever they want to do. And you might try to talk to them maybe once, maybe twice. Eventually though, you're going to have to be really firm because you're finding that as a result of them not listening to you, they might end up hurting themselves. So Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut have coordinated efforts to curb the spread of COVID-19 as much as possible. So what they did was collectively throughout all four states, they closed indoor portions of retail shopping malls, any amusement park within those um, malls, bowling alleys, all of those things are temporary closed, and any other closures include gyms, movie theaters, and casinos. Mm-hmm. Economic so, you know, impact. Yeah, that was a lot. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's an economic impact, though, too, as well. It's interesting. Yeah, it's an economic impact, but the most important thing is life. And um, the one thing that I have seen about the U.S., as I always see, they might have stutter stuck in the beginning because they didn't understand they may not have realized the you know severity of it how quickly it moves what have you but they'll mobilize very quickly and that's what they are doing on all fronts um each state of course uh you know is uh obviously being led by their governor you know when you're talking about things like taxes you know federal and state all of those things all of those issues are are being discussed and Everybody, like I know here in New York, I look at um, a daily update. Comes around, comes on, I think about, I would say 11 a.m. in the morning, and it's probably on for like an hour and a half. And it will start with the governor of New York, Mayor, I mean, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and after he finishes and whoever is on his team, whatever questions they have to ask, and then it goes into 45, and he will talk and whomever needs to address certain things that need to be updated. And it's been very good. And everything that they've been saying, as I've listened to it from the very beginning, they have said exactly what's happening. And as we see it happening, it's what they've said. So there, there isn't a surprise like, oh, my God, where did this come from? So in terms of like panic, if you are panicked here, and I think we also spoke about this maybe a week or two ago, it's because you're not paying attention and you're not informed awareness in a situation like this decreases panic and fear, just like awareness with regard to mental illness decreases stigma. So because of who I'm in, you know, encompassed by and circled with, and, and I see everything that's going on, you know, family that's located in different states, they're not panicking because they understand what's happening. They understand what they have to do and they're acting accordingly. And they also look at this opportunity because, like, I think I mentioned this to you the other night, Anthony, in my circle of, of friends and everybody, there are creators, entrepreneurs, educators. So we see this as an opportunity to take a pause, create, develop, 
we're talking to each other about ideas that one another has that maybe we've put off and now we can develop it. And so we see this as that time. And it's almost like it's what you make of it. So if you want to sit here and panic and be afraid and all of that, then you do that, but we don't choose to act that way. And it actually is very liberating and very freeing and it's less stressful, it's less um, anxiety filled. And like I said, you just need to look once a day, look at that hour and a half update and you're pretty much up to date on like everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Well, interesting that, you know, with the coronavirus and everything you're talking about and how they're being real clear about how this you know, um, particular virus attacks the immune system, but there hasn't been a lot of information about how to boost your immune system with all the information out there about it. I find that kind of weird, but um, that was just, I just wanted to make that comment. Yeah, well, you know, that's something that I think when you and I talked was a discussion that we would have or look into um, because um, the only thing in terms of that, you know, you might hear people say, you know, boost your immune system and this is what I do. And they might like talk about sort of like their personal regimens, but in general, overall, there's been no, you know, direction from the top. This is what you do. I think people, especially with regard to their own health and physical training and things like that, they're taking upon themselves to inform each other. In other words, what I'm seeing is a lot of the village mentality people are starting to get it and understand what's happening. And so, like, okay, I found this information out. Let me let you guys know what's going on. Um, if, if something's put on somebody's page where there's, you know, a link or anything like that. So that's kind of like what I see happening, phone calls being made. Hey, did you hear about this? And so that's what's happening. It's causing people to look at things in a different way. And I think one of the most important things is people are stepping outside of themselves and understanding that it's about the collective. Let me do what I need to do as a, you know, a, a responsible individual so that I do not impact the collective in a negative way. And so again, because you have that um, invincibility, you know, that invincible attitude, sometimes it takes a little bit for you to realize like, oh, okay, this is serious. And, and if I just do this, then this will occur. And so it's, it's definitely been a learning experience, I think, for for everyone as it will continue to be as it continues to pass, you know, through. So, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Now the Olympic committee, Anthony, though, they're still holding out. Um, they still have not made a definitive, uh, determination as of yet as to whether or not they're going to, um, you know, at least postpone the games. Now the swimming association is requesting that the IOC postpone, but they kind of still want to wait and see. So we're looking, we're looking um, to see what's happening with that. And then, um, according to news reports, it seems that China is looking to help other countries. They're mobilizing themselves to help, the, and these are their words, not mine, to make up for the fact that they had a local virus that then went and became a pandemic. So for their inability to control um, that, it seems like they're sort of making up um, by, I guess, sending any kind of assistance. So now that they are settling down and they are reporting um, more days with um, no new cases, so they're actually like pitching in and doing some stuff too, according to the, the news report. So I thought that was interesting as well. Did you hear that, Anthony? Yeah, it did. It's kind of like a country taking individual accountability. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Go China. It's, it's great. We thank you for that. 
<laughs> and then, um, just on the lighter side of things, um, for any of you guys who are fans of the Red Table Talk, of course, it's a wonderful um, program, Jada. Willow and Gammy do a great job. Um, but because of what's going on with COVID-19, Mr. Will Smith himself, head of the household, king that he is, he called an emergency family uh, red table. And he did so because he wanted to allay the fears and anxiety that Willow has been um, experiencing, you know, hearing all these different kinds of information. And, you know, when you, when you hear things secondhand, thirdhand, you know, and, and when you have people who their um, main purpose may be to cause panic as opposed to inform and create awareness so that you can then make better choices, uh, it can be kind of intense. So he did that. And he also talked about the fact that having been in the movie I Am Legend and considering the subject matter of that movie, uh, the viruses, humans, all of that. He talked about how he had worked then really close with the CDC to understand all of this. And so he, along with the assistance of a doctor, they talked about this big time. And it was a really great episode. I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but if you can get the chance to watch the Red Table Talk with Will Smith and his family, watch it because he did, they all did a great job. The questions that were asked and answered, uh, they gave you um, a couple of people who, um, examples of like, a, a, I think it was a young person who had tested positive for it. She was in her 20s. She and a group of friends um, had to deal with it. And she was the only one that kind of still was, I think it was like day 11 and she was still, or the fever just broke, but she had underlying health conditions. And so they were basically making the point that while they're pointing specifically to a vulnerable population being the elderly who may have compromised immune systems and respiratory problems, it can also occur at any age. And so um, while she was still recovering, her friends, they might have been sick for like a few days and they were fine. So just things like that. So if you guys get a chance, watch the Red Table Talk. It was really good. Nice, nice. So, okay. Uh, so do you think you're ready to jump into our part three of our discussion? Absolutely. Let's do it. You know, Anthony, you did a great job in the last two episodes um, giving us the historical uh, reference as far as our masculine and feminine energy. And for those of you who um, have not heard that yet, I, I would invite you to go back and listen to um, those two episodes so that you can kind of, you know, hear what Anthony had to say about that. But what I'm going to do today as we bring it on home and close out the topic is to bring it more to um, more um, recent days where we can provide more of an idea of the difference between the masculine and feminine energy and, and just kind of provide you with some thoughts that you might be able to recognize, maybe see something visually in your head um, about yourself or perhaps somebody that you're encountering. So... More and more these days, we as men and women, we're sharing space together. And whether the relationship is a platonic one, if it's professional, whether it's romantic, um, we need to learn how to share that space in a healthier way, a more productive way. And one of the things, Anthony, that I was thinking about as I was, you know, um, going through the information that you sent was there's so many different um um, understandings of things that kind of have gotten jumbled all together. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> and one of those things um, mm -hmm. that stands out is, you know, the idea of gender role. 
um, also known as a sex role, which, you know, society, you know, basically um, determines uh, a range of behaviors and attitudes that are like generally considered acceptable or appropriate. And it's specific to whether or not you're a man or whether or not you're a woman. And we see everything, right, Anthony? Like through that lens, we see everything. Yeah, I think that's kind of a manifestation of the lack of uh, reconciled um, understanding of the masculine and feminine energy where I feel like a lot of the kind of uh, patriarchal uh, leadership has kind of chalked up um, these particular ideas or energy sources as being a feminine woman thing. Um, and here's what it means to be a man type thing. And it's mm-hmm. really not done a good job of understanding and identifying and recognizing that both of these quali- qualities exist in both the male and female. And because of that, I think that kind of contributes to um, the tensions within the homosexual community or the gay community or, or if you want to say the LGBTQ community. Um, and uh, creating safe spaces for folks to explore those energies within themselves. And I think that's become um, a constant issue around this issue of of masculine and feminine energy, not having Mm. secured and safe space to explore and what it means to the individual. Now, the thing of it is, is that when you spoke about um, certain practices that occurred in ancient times, established behaviors that were seen specific to men and women, um, in more recent times, we have also modeled uh, certain behaviors, again, that society has given, but we've had some points of reference. And if you could just bear with me, Anthony, as I make this uh, one point, um, the Bible. Now, whether you're a believer or you're not, Everybody at one point in time has heard about the story of Adam and Eve. Long story short, man was created, power over every living thing on earth. He was placed in the Garden of Eden to do pretty much as he pleased, except for one thing. He could not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, he had oversight over every creature and everything. They all had mates, but he was alone. And he wasn't created to be alone. From his rib, a woman is created, and voila, we have this couple. They are existing in in paradise. Now, she's supposed to be his helpmate, not a doormat, not a punching bag, but his helpmate. And they go on about their business, and it continues on in this this thought and idea of man is like the hunter, the gatherer. He goes out, he, you know, conquers, and the, the woman is at home, and she's, you know, barefoot, she's pregnant, she's taking care of the kids, she's all of that. And for the most part, society has developed, again, their perception of what makes a man and what makes a woman based on these um, views, as well as examples of what you see in your home with your parents, your Father, your mother, and what you see there, that that behavior is modeled back uh, to us. And so now, nowadays, now we're finding more women are outside of the home and have uh, sort of like, you know, said, nah, I don't think so. I have ambition and I have drive and, and I want to create, you know, a legacy for myself or for my family. Um, I have talent and I have interests. Then we're starting to share more of these spaces with each other and so the ideas of you know menstrual cycles and childbirth and the fact that everything is blamed on eve because she enticed adam to eat of that tree when as the message was given to him it was for him to as the head if you will um maintain that authority so to speak 
I say that because sometimes in our more recent times, situations happen where the family nucleus is not as strong as it once was. And so you end up having more single parent households. Now, if a woman has to step up because of various situations that may have occurred as far as the head of the household is concerned, whether it's incarceration, whether it's addiction, whether it's police brutality, a lot of times she has to step in to a role in order to maintain some kind of order within the household. And if she has sons, there's this misconception that not that she has to act like a man, but that she needs to be strong enough to deal with her sons because perhaps there's not a lot of male role models around. Again, kings and queens, that is not what masculine and feminine energy is. It has nothing to do with any of that. And that is why we thought that it was very important to have this discussion about the two. And once again, as Anthony said, to drive home the idea that as a human race, as a man, as a woman, we possess both energies. And so today, what I wanted to do was just to kind of give you some idea of what exists in both energies. When you think about masculine energy, it's linear it's practical, it's strategic, goal-defining, discriminating, it's questing. Its consciousness is associated with the mind and intellect. So a lot of times when you're thinking about philosophers or intelligence, it's often because of that gender lens we look for associated with men. But it can exist in women as well because they also have that masculine energy. Now, the masculine energy is also referred to as the left side of the brain. It's rational, and it sees things as black and white. It's inflexible. So it can either be yes or no. There is no in-between. There is no gray when it comes to the masculine energy. And if you were to restrict this energy, it would become confrontational by being closed-minded, and it would have a difficult time seeing anyone else's point of view if you were to think about a masculine um i'm sorry if you were to think about a visual image of masculine energy in a simplistic example think of that person that takes the same way to work every single day never detouring never going any other way but they go from a to b and they are always on time so they always are about the schedule. And that energy is an expansive one. So it's always looking for what's next. You know, it's always looking to see what more they can get. It, Anthony? It made me just, with the way you were describing, I was like, man, it just sounds like a just over-the-top ego. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, what you were saying, like, does it one way and, like, you know, is confrontational and, like, that's one thing that I'm always having to, like, recognize in myself in terms of that masculine energy is the ego side. Because, like, you, you, I mean, you said it beautifully in terms of that definition with the intellectual information and how it kind of confirms uh, the reasoning behind um, their decision-making in terms of the practice. And that's exactly kind of how I recognize the ego as being a culmination of your intellectual experiences that kind of confirms your decision-making, you know what I mean? And there's this kind of just what it is. And so it just seems like it's a real kind of amped-up version of the ego. And so go ahead. Uh, that was it. I just like the way you put that. 
Oh no, no, thank you very much. I mean, I'm I'm glad that uh, you're here to uh, support because it was you. I mean, we were both on the same wavelength, but the fact that you brought this uh, to for you know for the topic of discussion, I thought was a really great one, and I think we can see why. And it's funny that you're talking about ego, Anthony, because a friend of mine and I were having a discussion, and again, you know thinking about the difference between the energies versus the gender lens. Do you think, or how do you think ego, I mean, I know you kind of talked about it just a little bit right now, but how do you think ego plays a role in it at at all? Is ego more of a feeling like an, like a sort of like an external force or what would you say about that? Uh, I would say ego is an, is a culmination of your intellectual experiences. So for instance, just to make it simple, like why you brush your teeth, uh, so for me, I brush my teeth because it helps me not have bad breath. It helps with uh, fighting gingivitis or just plaque buildup, flossing. But all of that decision making, when I get up in the morning and I say, I'm going to brush my teeth, that's my ego saying, I got to do this. And, and it's a result of my experiences of going to the dentist, of maybe having bad breath, or maybe smelling other people's breath, or maybe seeing something nasty about the mouth, or reading information. And so... Um, the ego to me represents people's uh, collective experience and gathering of information, like the clothes you put on. Why do you wear red versus blue? Or why do you put your t- tie your hair back versus let it lay down? And I feel like when you make that decision, like when you say, and you look at yourself and you say, I'm going to put this on or I'm going to do this action, that's the ego in my mind stamping approval of the decision that you made. Um, the intellectual part is the culmination. The ego stamps and says, yes, I agree, and let's move forward with it. Does that make sense? Yes, and let me just ask you then, what then would you say about the ego having to do with self-esteem and the way one looks at themselves in terms of, you know, who they are, ability, that kind of a thing? I think it's the same thing. I mean, you look at yourself okay. as self-image. And so, for instance, when someone says, I put this on and I look good in this, how do you know you look good? Or why is it important that you look good? You know what I mean? And I think, again, okay. it comes from a culmination of, well, maybe I wore, like for me, I'll just give myself an example. Like when I was a kid, I went to school one day and my mom bought me some school clothes and my like my jeans were too tight and like my, my shirt was weird. And when I went to school, you know, like my friends laughed at me. So that was an experience that I had where I was like, ooh, I don't want to wear tight pants no more. Right. You get what I mean? And so my ego was like, brother, you're not going to wear no more tight pants because we're not going to be trying to get laughed at. You know what I mean? And so that was a collective experience that contributed to my self-image. You know, just like, you know, a woman that's maybe been domestically abused or a woman that's had privilege or a man that's had it. There's been these collective experiences that has contributed to our decision making. And it's when we make that decision that I'm not going to wear these pants because of this or I'm going to do this because of that. Uh, I think it's because of the of the of our collective past experiences that's led up to that particular moment. So I think the same kind of uh, rules apply. So when you walk out the door, or when a woman is thinking about her self image, it's first of all like you know how did she even come to know what an image was, and why was that important? And I feel like it's those experiences that collectively contribute to her her next steps. You know what I mean? And so for me, with my practice around yoga, meditation, being present, learning to shed layers, it's been me kind of digging down individually um, to that root of, of what's contributed to my to my decision to do something. Okay. 
Okay. Well, let me just continue then. Anthony, thank you. Um, I'm glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, me continue. <laughs> <laughs> let me continue with the feminine energy now. So the feminine energy, and again, kings and queens, beautiful people everywhere. This means as a man and a woman, you both have this energy. You have feminine energy, which curves, colors outside the lines. It's movement. It's expressive. It's emotion. It's creative, free spirit, passion. The feminine energy, it occupies the right side of the brain. You know, experiences of taste and feeling, art. It's fluid and it's flexible. It can go anywhere, okay? It has a hard time sticking to schedule. And, you know, Anthony, just on that point, I have found for myself, like, I'm the kind of person that organically, if, let's say, I work in a hotel, and I've been, let's say, a reservations manager, and I deal with occupancy, I deal with packaging, I'm doing everything I can to attract someone to stay at this hotel. If you get me on the phone, and I'm talking to you about the amenities, and I'm talking to you about the hotel, the accommodations, what you can see as far as the sites in the area, I am there all day, every day, without a problem. But then if you say to me, okay, I need you to now, um, you know, sell 25 packages by a certain date. I'm going to be like, how many, how many, how many, how many? Because now you're boxing me in and I don't do well with stuff like that. I have to be able to just organically talk about what I like. So I'm not going to be a salesperson, in other words, not by, you know, profession. But if I was at a party and they were selling Mary Kay, I could tell everybody about what my favorite product is and why, and oh my God, this mask and whatever. Ask me to be a consultant? No. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like there's there's always a yin to the yang, and I kind of feel like, similar to you, is that, you know, you have people that can take that approach where, okay, I got 25, that's my goal, and that sometimes becomes a level of comfort because they understand the end goal and it's just about getting there. And, but for me, again, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm similar to yourself is that I feel like if I create an experience, I'd also feel like I can get to that same goal. And so Amen. I, I, and I mean, cause, and I feel like there's always that two sided approach. You know what I mean? Like when I, my experience in the university, um, with recruitment, outreach, uh, you know, diversity, equity, access, um, there was a big part of, of how do we include these underserved student populations and a part of it institutionally was hitting a goal like we want to increase our you know black male attendance by this or women or Native American population whatever it may be and for me I it, it didn't make sense to say okay I want to have these many Native Americans come to the school it didn't make that sense to me but what it mm-hmm. did make what, what did make sense to me was okay how can I reconcile our past discrepancies how can I build a genuine relationship how can I be serve and and really build a genuine relationship and from that I felt like was going to also hit the numbers and so there's a two-sided approach and I feel like it's the masculine and feminine that I've always had to a kind of balance and account for but for me preferably it's about really thinking about like you said the organic process of being genuine and really clear about my intention that also can help me get to that same goal Yes. And, and, you know, that's why, as I was reading this information, when you sent it over to me a few weeks ago, 
it was just sort of like eye popping to me because I was recognizing myself in a lot of ways because then, you know, um, on the other side of things, I am and can be very analytical and I can be very uh, strategical and I can be linear. Um, but I find I don't really want to be in that energy too long. Um, because let's say, for instance, um, you, you want to exercise every single day. Okay, so you exercise five days, let's say, out of seven. I am going to be that person that is going to exercise five days, and it has to be every single day, if I'm in that left side of thinking, every single day, in the morning, no fail, an hour and a half, this is what I got to do, blah, blah, blah. What starts to happen to me eventually is I start to feel, again, boxed in. And so now the feminine side will say, well, you know what? What if you wake up and you don't feel like exercising in the morning Mm -hmm. and you want to exercise in the afternoon? And wait a minute, maybe your leg hurts. And so you can only do A, B, C exercise and you're going to have to leave the other exercises. And I have to actually talk to myself and say, it's okay to be flexible because by introducing that flexibility, that's what will help me to sustain the goal. Yeah. Agree. Agree. You know, so that's something that I've I've learned um as, as time has gone by. And that's why I was so excited to do this discussion because I think a lot of people out there, first of all, just in recognizing that it is not based on you being a man or a woman, but that we possess both was a key thing because again, I did not know that. And I was definitely all about the societal norms and seeing things through the gender lens. So I was like, you know, lost, but it almost was like coming home reading this information. Well, now, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, no, you go ahead. No, I think, uh, but I think, again, there's there's a, a willingness there that has to take place to be able to investigate both sides. And I feel like what happens is when you look at kind of the, the directive, like here's my goal, but then here is the also the intention and the process, the organic, I think there's a tension there because uh, especially for me working in the you know, higher ed institutional framework, um, a lot of times when you see this in technology as well, is that we're so inclined with trying to develop AI or trying to develop this technology that a lot of times surpasses kind of our humanity. And if we really think about, again, how the ego plays into that or how the masculine and feminine, feminine energy is contributing to that, it really puts us at a pace. And everybody's at a different pace. And I think, I feel like by fundamentally investigating both sides of the table, it really undercuts systems like capitalism. You know what I mean? Or uh, uh, systems that have directives that had to hit on a quarterly basis to try to hit consistent numbers. And I think that historically has been the issue, especially in males particularly, um, because again, that forces you to have to understand your intention. So when capitalism is about the numbers, really that doesn't really manage with the feminine energy side, you know what I mean? Because again, you have to leave the open for the gray, you know what I mean? And when you think about a capitalistic framework, um, it really doesn't um, uh, work with that because again, you hit the numbers. If you do, great. If you don't, it's all right. (laughs) And that's not a sustainable model for a lot of folks. And so I think that becomes an issue when it comes to with the the inconveniences of investigating both those sides. So I think there's a, and you see historically too with a lot of male leaderships like in China, know the US or in Europe this whole notion of consolidation to make simplified 
You know what I mean? When I studied yoga and I and I and I and I studied particular Sanskrit, you even read it then in the Sanskrits where they were taught Sanskrit where they talked about yoga and the difficulties of how to learn to manage the chaos of living in this world and how to try to simplify the process of managing the body and the chaos and how do we make it more simplified. So you see it there even then thousands of years ago of the complications and how they were trying to make it easier. And I think that easier or more practical gets confused and, 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 and really kind of sometimes forces folks not to consider the other because it really will make them have to take individual accountability and really get to the root of why they're doing something. And that why may kind of be contrary to what their particular outcome that they want, the ego. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, those are really good points. Really good points. And again, it just kind of shows you how we have sort of arrived where we have in terms of the imbalance. Yeah, for um, sure. Because we have a tendency as humankind, we're, we're, we're pretty much 90% of us are leaning to the left. And so it is not to say that the masculine side is more important than the feminine side or that the feminine side is more important than the masculine side. What we're saying is we need to find the balance and things will work out a lot better if you're able to pull from both because they both have um, those characteristics that will be very harm I'm sorry will be very helpful to us and a lot of individuals like myself who did not know the difference like that wouldn't have realized it and so instead of you know understanding that as a human being and a female that I may be using my left side of the brain too much I might be considered acting like a man yeah and to me I'm like I'm not acting like a man I'm a girl but what, do you, what do you mean? I don't want to be a man. I'm a woman. So there'll be confusion for me. But then also what's perceived about me might also be confused. So that was something else that I was learning as I was like looking at this. And um, and Anthony, swear to goodness, like not no lie. The day that you said to me, hey, why don't we talk about this topic? I had been meditating on it earlier in the day. Like, you know... I don't know, this idea, but I was saying masculinity, feminine, femininity, you know, I was just like wrestling around in my brain. And then we had that chat that night and you said this and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I think, well, I, I think it's, it. it's it's about, again, when we think about the show, Say It Out Loud, we're about trying to ground space and really create um, a practice and model that practice. And I think that's kind of been the issue or when you're thinking about exploring both, you haven't really had for both men and women um, a space, and when this kind of goes to the community kind of support and then the institutional framework, um, we haven't had those kind of areas that allow us to really dig into that and sit with that. Um, you have individuals that want to explore it, and I kind of think that contributes, especially with the LGBTQ community, where I be truly believe, like especially for a lot of males, um, there's feminine energy that's been... Um, suppressed and I think it kind of comes out as being interpreted as being you know gay or or too feminine or flamboyant but I really think it's a manifestation of a very narrowed experience being able to explore both energies and I think for men and both women um not having um adequate community support to kind of um, practice exploring both sides and then also not having an institutional framework that allows you to really kind of develop um, your ideas behind it and investigate it to the core that contributes to kind of the, the evolution and the manifestation of what we interpret both masculine and feminine energy now. 
Right. No, um, when you mentioned that in our chat, and I thought that that was an interesting point and wonder what uh, our Say It Out Loud community uh, would, would say about that, feel about that. And of course, you know, in, in, in terms of, um, you know, speaking and saying things out loud, it is because we want, like Anthony said, to ground the space so that we can come together and talk about these things, um, think about them, investigate them, so forth and so on. One last point, though, I'd like to make about the feminine energy, as I did with the masculine energy, the visual example, a simple, again, simple example would be someone who prefers to take the scenic route to work. And yep. they are never on time. Yeah, yeah. To them, a, it's like, yeah. you know what, I'll get there, you know. But this is a really beautiful day. I want to roll down the windows and spring is coming. And this energy, which is also different from the masculine, the masculine energy will see things as parts. The feminine energy sees things as whole. With the feminine energy, there's no such thing as yes or no, black or white. There's gray and there's uh, an attitude like, uh, there's an attitude of, there's more than one way to skin a cat. So when we achieve the balance between these two energies within ourselves and each other, that, ladies and gentlemen, is what's called yin and yang. Yeah, yesterday was just a small example that when we were at the um, the garden market, you know, my goal was just like to go in get my soil, get my things for the, for the growing that I'm going to be doing, my plant seeds and stuff like that. And, and Kim was like, you know, I just kind of want to linger around and look at all the shops and just kind of, <laughs> you know, me, I was just like, I got to hurry to get my stuff down to get back. But then I had to recognize it in myself. And so after I got everything bought, I, I spoke to the lady, I was like, am I able to kind of lay my stuff down and come back later? And then we had a chance to kind of go through the market and kind of look at everything and kind of, you know, tinker around and stuff like that. But I, I, I recognized that in myself yesterday where I was just kind of like trying to hurry up and get through it you know what I mean to get done and get back home where she was kind of like not in a rush and she even told me she was like when I was walking through she was like slow down you're gonna be walking so fast <laughs> and so but that's that's something that exists in both me you know what I mean and and, and so yesterday it was a clear experience where you know she was she understood the goal but she wasn't really in a rush to get there she kind of wanted to enjoy the moment she kind of wanted to see what was there the things that we didn't see um, and for me, I was like, I already knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to get done. So that was kind of a small example of that, which you were just talking about that yin and yang. But we uh, worked it out and we, and because we have that relationship with each other, we're able to kind of do both. And so. Great. No, that's cool. And so again, you know, um, there's going to be, we're going to leave um, on the website the links to all this information. Um, what I didn't get to, which is also really important is, um, Everything that you want to know, like about indigo children and super psychics, those are two topics as well um, that would be really interesting for you guys to take a look at. But we'll include those links on the website. So, yeah, I'm, when I'm, we're talking about individual accountability, though, I'm sorry, go ahead, Anthony. That indigo, I'm definitely indigo. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think, um, you know, they were like, oh, AD, ADD, ADHD, yes. very intuitive, and, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. Yeah, and then the super psychics, and they talked about that too, because there's a huge population that are growing in China, and I feel like Indigo are going to be a part of helping those super psychics kind of manifest and learn how to use their superpowers. <laughs> Certainly, yeah, the harmonious balance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
the indigo children they say mostly is on like in in the North America, like here in this, yes. this part of the world. Yeah. And yes, the super the super psychics are yes, you're correct about that. So again, you guys, if you want to be able to take a look at that, we'll have the links available for you. But we're gonna keep it moving. Individual accountability. I think I kind of spoke about that throughout. It was just kind of recognizing the differences in me and sort of when I was utilizing, you know, part of me that I didn't understand until now was the masculine energy versus my feminine energy and sort of like working together to create the balance of those things. And the way that I guess I do that is just really to be true with myself. Like William Shakespeare said, this above all to my own self be true. And so when I look at a situation, I approach it from what works best for me first because I recognize that if I do that, it's going to be more beneficial to those that I'm in relationship with. Yeah, and I think, again, when we think about the community surroundings, it's one of those things, again, to have a community that continues to model that practice is it, it makes it a bit easier, you know, when you're thinking about individual accountability because, again, um, when individuals try to take account for their own actions, it can be very difficult on your own by yourself. And to have that collective community surrounding you um, ident- allows that practice to kind of be more in depth and a little bit easier to kind of manage. And then again, um, finally, the institutional framework really where I feel like it helps you really solidify the practice and really institutionalize how we really build this practice um, on a consistent basis. You know what I mean? So so we have those three elements again kind of revealing themselves in terms of individual accountability community surroundings and institutional framework um so yeah uh, i appreciate that ck with the information you share today and, and i again want to invite our listeners um to ask questions um share their experiences and again um also uh provide any suggestions on any of these topics because again I would like to hopefully, if we can, circle back around to those super psychics and indigo kids because that's something <laughs> that I, I definitely did some research on and think is definitely relevant to the conversation. But um, do you have any uh, inspirational words you want to uh, finish this off with, CK? Yeah, yes, and once again, Anthony, thank you so much for bringing the topic uh, you know, to the table, so to speak, to say it out loud. Uh, this was a, a great one to go through. I, I feel like this is something that you know people can talk about amongst themselves, see things in themselves, so it was really good. And yes, I agree indigo children super psychics definitely interesting topics and so as far as the inspirational or the quote for today um purpose is when you know and understand what you were born to accomplish vision is when you see it in your mind and begin to imagine it so thank you guys um we really appreciate your support you tuning in and and you've been with us you know since the beginning and we pray that you will continue to join us tune in next week when we say it out loud be blessed beautiful people and here's to brighter days thank you so much be well everyone take care bye-bye